This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from the Book of Acts sermon series. In this series, we're diving deeper into how God has invited us into His mission, how the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of the church and is active now, and how the local church is God's primary method to change the world. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Good to be with you as always. I'm honored to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, last week, Pastor Dave, he kind of kicked off this series within a series called Devoted. And basically over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to take these couple of weeks to look at the church, this first church described in Acts 2. And you see this first century church, it's the reason why we're going to look at it, it's important for us to understand because this first century church, it serves as a blueprint for what we do today here in 2022. I can tell you here at Life Church, we strive to be like this church in Acts 2 and the things they're devoted to are the things that we should be devoted to. Basically what they were all about, we should be all about. And even though the methods, even though the kind of the what changes, like what we do kind of does not at all look like what they did in Acts 2. The why never does. The purpose, the mission never does. It's, I like to think of it like this. I, we're all familiar with Apple computers, aren't we? Uh, I mean, they've kind of taken over the world, haven't they? But in 1977, Steve Jobs, he, he established this mission statement. He said, Apple's dedicated to making personal computing accessible to each and every individual so as to help change the way we think, work, learn, and communicate. In 1977, and computers were like the size of Volkswagens. I mean, like they stored them in warehouses and stuff. Now we carry the most powerful computers in our pockets. We wear computers on our wrists like jewelry, like the, the method, the style, the what, looks radically different than it did in 1977, but guess what? The why hasn't changed. Apple's still dedicated to making personal computing accessible to each and every individual. The same is true for church. The same is true for us. Listen, the work that the Holy Spirit did in and through the lives of this first group of believers in Acts 2 should be alive, should be apparent in us today. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Acts 2.42. We're gonna take a look at this blueprint. Let's take a look at this blueprint for church. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now today I want to kind of focus in on verse 44 and verse 45. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. You see, this first church, they were devoted to being generous and to helping the needs meet the needs of others. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what does it look like for us to have this all-in commitment to generosity and to compassion 
Now, before I jump in, though, I want to make a couple of statements up front. First off, I fully recognize that I am preaching to the choir today. You hear Pastor Dave say it all the time. The leadership believes it too. We have never seen a more generous church than Life Church. You guys blow us away all the time by how you just freely give to meet the needs and how you respond to those who are in need. And you guys, week after week, are just so generous and you just inspire us. And so I just want to know, once you know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir for one. The second thing is, I know this is true. The minute I said I'm going to be talking about generosity today, for some people in here, it kind of generated this emotional response. Maybe nervousness, maybe cynicism, maybe irritation, maybe even anger. Right? We've all heard it. Oh, the church just always talks about money, which is, go back and look through our message archive. That's not true. But I get it. I understand through my life, there have been times in my past where I've had those exact same responses. I can tell you this, even when Pastor Dave a couple weeks ago said, hey, Greg, why don't you take the generosity sermon? I was like, ugh. <laughs> I get it. And I was like, Eeyore, oh, where's my tail? And this week I've been trying to ask about like, why did I feel that way? Why did I respond that way? Because here's the truth. Jesus talked about it all the time. Prayer, it's mentioned about 500 times in the Bible. Faith, mentioned about 500 times in the Bible. Generosity, money, possessions, mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. Which tells me, listen, this is a big deal to God. And Jesus said very clearly over and over that our generosity is tied to the condition of our hearts. You see, our spiritual maturity, it's reflected in our willingness to give. I want to say that again so it doesn't blow past you. Our spiritual maturity is reflected in our willingness to give. And Jesus said this over and over. It's an indicator of what's going on in the heart. It's a lot like a check engine light on your vehicle. Listen, that light doesn't come on just to draw attention to itself, right? That light is there to point to something deeper going on under the hood. And generosity is the same way. Listen, I don't care. I really don't care how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what you have, what you don't have. I don't care. What I do care about, though, is what's going on under the hood, what's going on in your heart. And so we're going to take a look and jump in to this idea of generosity today. But I do want to approach it in a different way. I've heard this taught my whole life, but I want to try to take a different approach today. To use an old country saying I grew up around, like, there's a bunch of ways to skin that cat. And so, see, I could talk about the law of the harvest, 2 Corinthians 9. You reap what you sow, right? Reap sparingly, you'll... Or I'm sorry, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And that's 100% true. My problem is I have a tendency to then make giving a little mechanical. And I could talk about testing God. Malachi 3, you've heard every pastor say, that's the only place that God says to test him. And that's true too. I can tell you this, so for me, I have a tendency to then view it as a way to manipulate God. Where if I give him this, I get something in return. I could talk about robbing God. 
Acts 5, story of Ananias and Sapphira, but man, that just leads to kind of giving out of fear. That's not what I want to do. I could tell you, hey, we need to give because God first gave to us, right? But then that kind of turns in for me, at least to this, what we call the debtor's ethic, which is where like, you give me this, so therefore I need to give you this in return. And it becomes this transaction and it nullifies the free nature of grace. And so I want to do this a little different today. And I don't wanna twist your arm. I don't wanna talk you into something. I don't wanna scare you or guilt you. What I want to do today, my hope and desire is to inspire you. I love it. Francis Chan, he was talking on the same topic and he said this, he said, I wanna make you envious of people with generous lives. That's what I wanna do today. It's a lot like if you're over 35, all the old people in here, remember that Gatorade commercial from the early 90s with Michael Jordan? Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Y'all remember that? There's like pictures of him like dunking and then there's all these little kids in the playground trying to be him and failing miserably, but anyways. But that is my hope, is to inspire you, to make you envious of generous people. So I made some observations of generous people this week that I wanna share. The first one's this. Generous people, they reflect the heart of God. Generous people, they reflect the heart of God. Listen, the day I gave my life to Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of me. And as a result, his character, his nature, his DNA, it was established, it was deposited in me. And a part of that nature, a part of that character is this seed of generosity. But that seed of generosity doesn't just grow or develop on its own. I have to be intentional about cultivating it to bring it to a point of maturity. And when that becomes mature in my life, then Man, that, if you will, genetic trait of God becomes evident in my life and I end up looking like him because I have his DNA. And have you guys ever met someone whose kids look just like them? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, probably that way, where like their kids are just spitting images of them. It's funny, my wife and I, we, and we had a bunch of kids. We took, tried multiple times to get this right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But we always said none of our kids look like us until we had my five-year-old Aiden. And if you look at a picture of me at five and him at five, that's my mini-me. It is weird. It is freaky, crazy. He is a spitting image of me, but it shouldn't surprise me. He has my DNA. Listen, we're never more like God. We never resemble him more than when we serve and give. Matthew 20, 28 says, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you never look more like Jesus than when you serve and give. My son Aiden, this five-year-old, he's also at that really cute stage that, where he tries to mimic everything I do. So the other day, my older son and I, we were working on his car, and it's like you kind of heard some activity going, and we look over the side of the garage, and he's got his tricycle flipped upside down. He's pretending to be wrenching on it. A couple months ago, I built a pergola in our backyard, and man, he comes out there with his little plastic safety goggles and his little plastic tool belt, his hammer, and 
But he want, he's at that stage where he wants to be like his daddy. Man, I don't know about you, church, but I want to resemble my heavenly father. I want to be like my daddy. I want to so reflect his heart that when people look at me, they go, yep, there's no question. That is God's son. I want to be that. And generous people, they reflect the heart of God. The next thing is that generous people, they have a healthy detachment to things. They hold things loosely. If you turn over a couple chapters in Acts to Acts chapter four, verse 32 says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And then listen to this, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything I had, they have. You know, so many times I approach God with these clenched fizz, fists, closed fists, like with a death grip, trying to hold on to all my stuff. And the truth is, listen, I don't have a hold of my possessions. My possessions have a hold on me. And what's even worse, I'm sitting there trying with all my might to hold on to stuff that the Bible says, Matthew 6, it ain't gonna last. That stuff's gonna turn to dust. I can't take it with me. And so it's this vain pursuit to try to hold on to all my stuff. But man, generous people, they just seem to be free of that. They have this healthy detachment to the things of this world. Have you ever known someone like that? One of my best friends, probably one of my top five closest friends is a guy by the name Dave Johnson. And the way I met Dave was very unique. Um, we were serving at a church in North Carolina and then there was a church in Florida that kind of offered me this job and we felt like we were supposed to go so we took the job and they were kind of asking, hey, when do you think you can be here? When do you think you guys can move? And I said, I don't know. We still have to put our house on the market and I don't know how long that's gonna take. And they're like, okay, give us a little bit of time. We'll call you back. They called us back that same day and said, hey, we have a house for you. I'm like, what do you mean you have it? Like, we got a house for you, free charge. You don't have to pay anything. It's just, We've got a free house for you. I was like, whoa, that's never happened to me in my life. I was like, wow, okay. So we put our house on the market. We moved to Florida. And listen, I, they didn't, I just didn't have a free house to stay in. This was the finest house I had ever lived in in my life. Like I never in a million years could I have bought this house, even rented this house. I mean, this place was amazing. And I'm going, and we're like, okay, we're like moving in. And then it wasn't but like a week and a half after we had moved in that I even met the owner. And it was my buddy, Dave. And here, of course, I'm doing the whole like, hey, I promise we're clean people. We're not gonna jack up your place. And the minute I can pay you something, I will. And I'm trying to do all this. And he's just like, dude, stop, stop, stop. He's like, man, the church called me and God said, that's their house and it's yours. As long as you need and don't pay me a dime. I was blown away by that. I know me. <laughs> I don't have that kind of detachment to things. <laughs> Especially if I own that house. But it was just, man, I so respected that in him. And it just, man, I admired that and I wanted to be like that. Generous people have this detachment to stuff. Next thing, generous people, they're fueled by grace. And I can tell you, that sounds like a very churchy phrase, doesn't it? But I want to unpack it so you can kind of understand what I'm trying to get at here. Generous people, they're fueled by grace. If you go back to when we were in kids' church, a little acronym, G-R-A-C-E, 
I spelt that right, didn't I? G-R-A-C. Stood for God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. And the difference between grace and mercy, you hear those terms a lot. Mercy is where I don't get what I do deserve. But grace is where I do receive what I don't deserve. And the truth is for every person in this room, God has freely and abundantly and richly given us grace. There is so much that I have been given that I don't deserve. And the grace that I receive through what Jesus did on the cross, listen, that should be working out of me in the form of generosity and compassion. One of my favorite passages on this topic, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is Paul talking. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You know what's interesting there? Paul does not say, hey, I want you to know about the Macedonian churches. That's not what he said. What did he say? I want you to know about the grace that God gave the Macedonian churches. I want you to know about what God did in their lives. You see, God had done this miraculous work in them, and because of that, it was being worked out of them through this form of generosity and compassion and meeting the needs of others. And listen, that means that everything I do should be in light of the grace I've received from God. How I spend my time and money should be in light of God's grace. How I treat other people should be in light of God's grace. When, I, when there's a need in front of me, how I respond should be in light of the grace I've received from God. Generous people, they're fueled by grace. And that leads to the next point is that generous people, they're focused on others. Last week, Pastor Dave, when he was introducing this devoted series, he talked about this devotion this first church had, it was countercultural. And I can tell you this, I don't know anything more countercultural than this. Generous people are focused on others. Look back at that passage in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, Paul says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. That's crazy. Paul didn't give some big speech to get him to give. He didn't twist the arms. He didn't guilt or scare. He, and these people were coming to Paul, bugging him and begging him and pleading him for opportunities to give. That is crazy to me because they had this all-in commitment to generosity and to helping those in need. And that is countercultural. That doesn't sound like the culture we live in, does it? Man, the world we live in is so selfish, so self-centered. It's like everywhere you look, everyone's walking around in selfie mode, just staring at themselves, their big face, right in the middle of everything. And what's even worse, I, there's a lot of people out there that believe if I put myself first and if I stare intently enough and deeply enough at me, I'm going to somehow discover some level of peace and happiness. 
May I suggest, take it off selfie mode, start looking at the people around you. Man, how can I help him? How can I serve her? How can I bless them? That may be the best thing you ever do for you. These Macedonians were that way. They were begging Paul for ways to give because they had Jesus's DNA in them. They had this detachment to stuff. God had so given them grace that they, and they were so focused on other people. That was the Macedonians. And then look, it says right here, kind of at the result of this, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The last thing is that generous people are overflowing with joy. Do a little exercise, okay? Think of the most selfish person you know. I want you to put a name, one name or face to it. Don't say it out loud, please. <laughs> Be awkward. Now think of the most generous person you know in your life. Quick question. Who seems happier? I can only speak for me. I can tell you this. The most miserable people I know just so happens to be they're also the most self-centered. And vice versa. The opposite's true. When I think of the most happiest people I know in my life, it just so happens they're also the most generous people I know. And when you look at them, there's just, there's, there's this overflowing joy. There's like this beams of light just kind of shooting out of them. And I'm looking at that going, man, I want some of that. Generous people, they seem to, no matter what's going on, they have this sense of contentment and peace. And I look at that and I go, man, I want to be that way. And I believe it's because generous people, they've discovered this truth and if you don't get anything else today, please hear this, get this. Generosity is not about what God wants from you. Generosity is about what God has for you. It's not about what God wants from you, it's about what God wants for you. And generous people, they've discovered this little nugget and they're just overflowing with joy and peace. And you can see it, and I see it, and go, man, I want to be that way. I want to be like these Macedonians. I want to reflect the heart of God. I want that. Man, I want to have this detachment to stuff. Everything I do, I want it to be in the light of what God's done for me. And I want to be focused on others and take my eyes off of myself. I want that. I'm not there yet. But I see it and I want it. I want to work towards it. Which leads me to this as we close. I want to give you some practical steps to kind of cultivate this seed of generosity. We're going to wrap up with this. Listen, I could, I could say all day long, you know what, man, I really think I should uh, get a little healthier, get in shape. But if I never develop a plan to diet and exercise, it will never happen, Right? So what are some practical things that we can do to kind of cultivate the seed of generosity? Well, the first thing is this. Give a set amount of money. I don't care what that set amount is, but just give a set amount regularly and routinely to your church. If it's Life Church, great, but to your church. 
That's important. I want to unpack that just a little bit because I've heard that. I've been told that my whole life. I want to unpack why. See, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe, talking about that regular gift, to the storehouse, being the church. And then God says, why? So there's food in my house. So that there's food in my house. Why is that important? A couple of reasons. And you may be thinking this, you may have thought this during this message. Can I just be a generous person on my own? Absolutely. Could I walk around town today, this afternoon, and just start handing out money to people I see? Absolutely, I could. Guess what, though? Who gets the credit when that happens? Who gets the glory? I do. I get the praise. This guy's like, oh, man, <laughs> Greg, what an awesome guy. But when I give through my church, who gets the glory? God does. I don't get the credit. He does. The second reason why it's important that there's food in his house is because as I go throughout my life, I may come across someone in need. Maybe. I may come across someone who, who needs something. I, I, that may or may not happen. But I can tell you this. Because we are the church, safe to say not a day goes by that we don't have someone coming to the church looking for help. Because we're the church. We're city on a hill. And if you're intentional about wanting to be generous and help those who are in need, I can tell you this is a great place to give. Another reason too, and not just those who are in need, another reason to give through Life Church is just by the amount of people that we partner with. I mean, it's incredible just locally. I, it, the list is too long. Locally, nationally, internationally, the people that we are allowing them to do what they do to meet the needs of others. We're partnering and we're supporting them. Missionaries who are on the front lines in some tough places. We're, you guys and your regular gifts, your regular generosity is allowing them to do what they do. And it's awesome. And you get to be a part of that because you give through Life Church. Not to Life Church, through Life Church. We have one of those missionaries here with us today, which I'm excited about. We have Craig Norton with Beyond the Known Ministries. They're working in Costa Rica and we've partnered with them. And uh, man, I wanna invite Craig to come up here. Let's give him a round of applause. I can tell you, listen, if anybody deserves an applause. It's these missionaries who are on the front lines, like I said, in some tough places. And Craig's doing some amazing work in Costa Rica. Just share with the church, if you would, just kind of 30,000 foot view, what you guys are all about and what you're doing. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So we all just jumped on an elevator together and the door shut and I got one minute. Um, so what Beyond the Known International does is we partner with the local community to develop relational training solutions that allow the leaders there to eradicate local poverty, expand access to education, and stimulate economic development and job growth. Sounded pretty corporate, didn't it? <laughs> Here it is in, the, in, in Bible context. We live out the great commandment and the great commission. We love God, we love others, and we help other people love others. And then we go and we do the compassion ministries of Christ. We take our bowl and our towel and we serve the community that we're in. 
Yeah, thanks. And then share with these guys just a little bit of like how specifically Life Church, uh, what we've been able to do just through the partnership sure. with you guys. Sure. So three of those things that, that I talked about, um, the way that we accomplish those are through feeding centers, pregnancy centers, and educational training. And your generosity at Life Church has allowed us to expand our feeding program. And so this year, we added another feeding center, which takes care of 120 children, two to wow. three days a week, depending on the week, and about 25 families. And so your generosity on a weekly basis directly affects these children getting nutrition, but also getting the word of God every week. Mm, that's incredible. Let's give it up for you guys, because that's awesome. I know uh, we actually have a trip with Craig uh, in November going to Costa Rica. He's gonna be out on the patio at a table. If you have any interest, he'd love to chat with you. But what else can we do for you as a church? Yeah, grateful for your partnership. Um, but I wanna ask you to do three specific things. And it's not just for me as a missionary, it's for the whole missional world. You need to be generous with your prayers. There's people mm -hmm. fighting battles all around this world that you don't have to know the details. You just need to lift them up to the Lord. And so pray for missionaries regularly. And here's what I'll challenge you with is, there's missionaries going into your marketplace here in Reno, Nevada, that you need to pray for. When you go to work every day, you are on mission. Pray for each other, pray for us. We need your prayers. We need you to keep giving. Your support is helping us, but what you do helps others as well. So keep giving that little bit of extra to missions. And then I gotta challenge you to go, whether it's to come to Costa Rica with us in November or just recognize that when you step out of this room into the next situation, you're on mission, you have to go. If you avoid the go, then you're not fulfilling what you're called to do. That is amazing. One more time, let's give it up for Craig. And yeah, thank you, man. Hey, so give a set amount regularly to the church. It allows us to do all this stuff that sometimes you're unaware of, and that's why there needs to be food in his house, amen? And then second little action step, look for opportunities to, to give above and beyond. Um, you know, the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. It differentiates between the two. You see, the tithe is that regular routine gift, but an offering is something above and beyond in addition to and then when, you, when those opportunities arise, listen, I'm not saying you just need to give towards it. I'm saying just pray, stop and go, God, what would you have me do? Maybe it's something significant, maybe it's nothing, but just pray and be obedient. That's all we ask, not to give, but to be obedient to what God is telling you to do. You know, we had one of these uh, opportunities back, if you remember, around Christmas, and a part of our Christmas offering was uh, just kind of out of the blue, this need was presented to us that all of these refugees from Afghanistan, of all the places, were landing in Reno, Nevada. And so we put that out there to you guys. Hey, would you give above and beyond to kind of help these refugees from Afghanistan? And listen, the response was unbelievable. We celebrated that back at the first of the year. Uh, but I can tell you this, just to kind of just give you some highlights. Man, we were able, just with the money you gave, we were able to uh, help people with medical procedures and surgeries. We were, help, we were able to help people continue education. We were able to help, I, I don't wanna say six family units find housing. And then we were able to help get 23 of the refugees vehicles. 
uh, through the money that you guys gave. So much so, and I'll tell you how God works, how cool this is. I want to tell you a cool story. Pastor Brett, our student pastor, his car's in the shop. He needed to have a meeting here at Life Church. He called an Uber. I didn't call him. I guess now it's all on the app. But anyways, he got an Uber. And uh, the Uber guy came, got him, was bringing him here. As they were pulling in, the Uber driver said, oh, you work here? You guys bought me this car. It was one of the refugees. How cool is that? And again, I said this. I, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You guys have always responded so incredibly to those above and beyond opportunities. And I just, again, want to thank you so much. And it inspires us. And the last thing just is a practical step. Give something regularly. Look for opportunities to do something above and beyond. The last thing is to, man, find a place to serve both in the church and out of the church. Both are important. But look for a place to serve. Generosity is not just about money. Generosity is about freely giving of one's time, talents, and treasure. And so some of us, we just need to look for opportunities to serve. Man, in a couple of weeks, I think we're gonna do a ministry fair. And uh, that's a great ch uh, chance to really jump on a team to serve here in the church, serve others. But then also just, you know, there's tons of opportunities just in your daily life to serve other people outside of this church. And I can tell you this, when you serve people, Man, it just allows you to take your eyes off yourself. Get out of that selfie mode and start looking at other people. And when we serve and we give, when we live lives of generosity, I believe there's nothing we can do that will align us with what God wants to do like that. Amen? Well, let's close. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, first off, for being such a generous God, for the grace that we've received God, I thank you that, Lord, you call me your own. And God, I do pray that in my own life, that God, I would reflect you. That God, your DNA, your traits, your heart, your character would be flowing out of me. God, I pray that I would have a detachment to the things of this world and focus on what matters, on what's lasting. God, I pray I would be fueled by your grace. I pray that I would be focused on the needs of others, that God, I would just be constantly look to serve and to give to those around me. And God, because of that, God, I thank you of the joy and the peace that we can experience by following you and living the life that you have for us. And so God, we again, just thank you for being such a good, generous God. Help us to be generous people to reflect you to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.